evidence and answers. Many Christians are looking for ways of engaging our culture for Christ, but are having a tough time just starting a dialogue others can relate to. The movies can be a great icebreaker. So many go to the movies for entertainment. Action, adventure, romance, and comedy all are found at your local theater. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukren. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on the show, Pat will be interviewing an author, Doug Guyvet, and will discuss this very topic based on Doug's book, Faith, Film, and Philosophy. Stay tuned. This will be a very informative discussion that may open the doors for you to share your faith with others. Here's Pat now. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we present the compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and provide biblical answers to the challenges Christians face today. Well, Plato once said, those who tell the stories rule society. Well, the ones telling the stories today are the filmmakers. And when it comes to the movies, some Christians believe it is worldly and we should avoid all movies. Others say it's just entertainment. It doesn't affect me and watch movies without any reservations. Well, how do we as followers of Christ approach the world of the movies and entertainment? Well, here to address this topic is Dr. Doug Guyvet, who wrote a terrific book on the subject titled Faith, Film, and Philosophy. Dr. Doug Guyvet is a professor of philosophy at Biola University, their graduate school Talbot Theological Seminary. Doug earned a PhD at the University of Southern California a master's from Dallas Theological Seminary, and a master's from Gonzaga University there in Spokane, Washington. He's the former president of the Evangelical Philosophical Society. In the past, Dr. Guyvet has also served as minister to college students at churches in the Pacific Northwest and Southern California. He is an author and popular speaker in churches and on university campuses on the subjects related to apologetics and the Christian life. So, Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, Doug, tell us, why should Christians care about what's going on in the movies today? Well, you mentioned in your opening statement there that uh, some people think that we should just avoid movies, and others think that it's just a form of entertainment, and that's about all we need to think about is going to a film and enjoying ourselves and then basically forgetting about it. I think that films provide us with a lens for seeing into the culture today. So we can see where people are at. We can actually understand better the problems that our peers face outside the walls of the church and how they think about their lives and the human condition. This is worth knowing because we seek to engage the culture in a meaningful way. We can't do that without understanding the culture. Yeah, how do movies reflect the ideas of the culture that are out there? Well, let's take an example of a genre of film. Today, we're seeing a lot more films produced that depict the end of the world and its effect on humanity, whether that means that humanity is completely wiped out or almost completely wiped out, or it's set back by some huge viral strain or some natural catastrophe. And it's amazing to me how often we see movies like that in the theater. I think this reflects a degree of dis-ease, ill-ease that people feel today, living in a fragile world with things going on that 
they can't control and that they think nobody can control, whether it's from the government or the military or from the medical establishment or from any other source. Uh, it just seems like things are out of control and we don't know what to expect. Movies communicate powerful ideas and you know, there are often two types of attitude among Christians when it comes to the movies, those who say that we should not see any movies because they're worldly and the ideas they present are dangerous. Pictures in there can damage the mind. And so they avoid going to any movies unless they're Christian movies. And there are others, however, yeah. who say it's just entertainment and consume any type of movie uncritically and say, you know, it really doesn't affect me. I think either extreme, I believe, is detrimental for the Christian in today's culture, don't you think? Well, I do. I do think that, Pat. But I would say that the solution to this problem that you raise is personal and individual. So some people might be at greater risk if they see movies of a certain sort, or any movies at all, for that matter. And then other people might just find that the movie industry is just so unpalatable to them that they don't want to give it the time of day. They worry that they are supporting a godless enterprise and one that is inimical to Christian values, and they would rather spend their money on other forms of entertainment. So I can respect those issues. I can see why a person might say that for that person, at least for that person, it's not a wise use of their time or their resources. I have friends, people that I know pretty well, who are affected by movies much more profoundly than other people are, maybe than most people are. And they're so able to engage imaginatively in the storyline that it is it has a profound impact on them. And sometimes that is unhealthy, and they've admitted this to me, because they're sort of hypersensitive to the characters and their emotions and the feel of the film and it's very hard for them to step back away from it and and be properly critical of the film. So they probably have more of a challenge exercising discipline about what films they might see and which ones they might steer clear of. Yes, you know, there's some movies out there that are worth seeing because they reflect the ideas of where the culture is at and present some powerful ideas, and there's others probably not worth seeing, but... How should we as believers in Christ approach the world of the movies? Well, that, that is a pretty open-ended question. Did you have a something more specific in mind when you asked that question? Well, you know, there's certain films that aren't worth our time or attention, you know, slasher kind of movies and things like that. But yet, you know, mm -hmm. how do we select the movies that we should go and see? And what kind of approach should we have as we go into watching these kinds of movies? How do we first evaluate and select the movie that we should go and see? Yeah, we're looking for some principles for guiding our decisions about film. Well, I agree with your suggestion about slasher films. You know, on the whole, these are films with just gratuitous violence. And they titillate and they appeal to some people but they have no enduring value. They don't really tell a story. They just present images on the screen that excite and get your blood flowing, maybe get the adrenaline going, but that's about all there is to the film. On the other hand, there are horror films, for example, that do tell important stories. In the book that I've edited called Faith, Film, and Philosophy, we actually have a chapter on the genre of horror film by Ronald Tiselli. 
And in there, he makes the argument that a good example of a horror film, a worthwhile horror film, is one that pits evil against the good and helps to shine light on what is positive and is good about human life and human experience because of the way it's threatened by evil in the world. And so these are movies that affirm both the reality of goodness and the reality of evil, which really are not popular views today. People are very reluctant today to acknowledge that there is such a thing as evil in the world. Well, the right kind of horror film can help bring that point to light. I won't say that that's the kind of film that I enjoy myself. I, I basically do not, and I... <laughs> I don't usually see horror films, but this is a guy who's reflected deeply on the question, what value could you see in a film like that? So one principle would be to consider how views about the world are being presented, and are they being presented at all, and if so, are they being presented accurately, or if they're not being presented accurately, are they being presented in a way that attracts so many people in the world today that we need to know about it and we need to contend with it. And watching a film can help us do that. That's one set of criteria. There would be other principles. All right. So, Doug, tell us then, how should we approach the world of the movies? What are some principles that should guide us as we select the movies we're going to see? I mean, some movies we want to avoid those with gratuitous violence and sex, you know, slasher kind of movies. But then there are other movies that are probably worth seeing because they present some very powerful ideas of the culture today. What are some principles that should guide us in selecting a movie? Well, Pat, one of the problems with answering a question like that is that uh, movies that are in the theater now, for example, are not very well known to us. We look um, online and we go to Fandango or whatever source we turn to for movies that are in the theater today, and we don't know what we're going to see when we get there. And that creates a special problem. But one thing that we might do is a little homework, a little research. And, of course, you can watch what they have online about the movie. You can read a couple of reviews. But one thing you could do, too, is start to think about who are the directors, who are the film producers that you have come to trust because of the movies that you've seen and that you've come to accept, that you think have had value. And so if, uh, for example, you have seen real value in movies that have been directed by Clint Eastwood, this is just an example then when another movie comes through that's directed by that person, that individual, then you already have a sense of how likely it is that this movie will be acceptable, one that you think will have value. That's a principle that's more difficult to apply because it means that you have to know a little bit more about who makes the movies that are out there. If you do a little study, you'll find that directors do get into a kind of groove and they make movies that have a certain texture to them. They're, they are the artists. And, you know, when you look at a work of art and you get to know the artist, you can go from one museum to another worldwide, and eventually you can recognize that a particular painting, for example, was painted by somebody else whose work you've seen and studied in another location. So you begin to see the fingerprints on a film 
that are tied to the director and his intentions. So that would be one thing to do. It's one of the harder things to do because, like I said, you, you basically have to do a little bit of, of research. That just means that when you're watching movies, pay attention to who the directors are. These are the creators of the film. Yeah, sure. You know, that's a good point you bring up because most of us are looking for the actor. And we follow right. favorite actors. And actually in Europe, they follow directors. And so you bring up a, po a good point here of, of looking at the director. Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting is that you follow the director because it is, after all, the director who is the creator of the film. And I point out to people that directors do not just direct actors. They also direct the audience. And when you sit and watch a movie, you are being directed by the director of the film. What I mean by that is that you are being persuaded by the message of the film. The director is hoping that you will experience certain things as a result of seeing one scene and then another scene. It may be that the director wants you to feel a little sadness at one point and then some elation or recognize the humor in a scene. You know, we've all been to a movie where we're sitting in an audience and everybody around us laughs at a, a certain line or a certain scene. We all laugh. Now, how does that happen? That doesn't happen by accident. That happens because the director intended to get through to us in a certain way on the emotional level. And if you've ever sort of felt a tear go down your cheek during a scene, a really moving scene, don't be too surprised if that's happening to other people in the audience. And again... This happens because the director is trying to give you that experience and try to trying to affect you in that way. So it's good to think of how directors work, not just in directing films, but in directing persons who watch films through their emotional experience. I see, Doug. Now, is there any particular director that you like, and why do you like this particular director? Well, of course, this gets into some personal questions that are going to be, you know, probably a little controversial. There'll be people who listen to this broadcast who agree with my preferences and others probably who would be surprised. Sure. I may have mentioned Clint Eastwood. I do like the movies that he's produced. I wouldn't say all of them have been good. I wouldn't say all of them are worth the time and the money and the emotional investment. But I think his work is good. It's done with quality. It's done with intention. Here is a man who doesn't make a movie without trying to communicate a message. And the message may be one that I agree with, or it may be one that I need to think about, I need to challenge, or I need to understand better because it's common in the culture. And so that, I think, would be a good example you know, think of the movie Gran Torino that he directed. Most of the films he directs are films where he's also an actor in the film. He's this stodgy old man, you know, who's lost his wife and he doesn't have much to live for anymore. And his wife was a very religious person. You know, she used to go to church faithfully and she worried about his soul and his attitude towards the church. And this young minister comes from the church comes to meet him and try to speak into his life with a spiritual point of view. And this old, stodgy 
character whose prized possession is his Gran Torino is amused by this, offended by this. He thinks this young guy doesn't know anything about the meaning of life. But ultimately, the message begins to creep into his life. And even though he's had more life experience than the young pastor has, he begins to see the value of the pastor's message because it transcends the limited experience of the pastor. So I think that is a good example of how a message can be kind of layered into a film in subtle ways, but can be noticed if you think about the film. Movies don't have to be overtly Christian to present a good and powerful message. The subtle message, like, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia and often are powerful ways to communicate truths that are consistent with biblical truth. And there are even movies that present opposing ideas. However, they communicate powerfully because they're presenting the opposing ideas in a very accurate and meaningful way as well. Yeah, that's right. Can you think of an example? The Truman Show. Jim Carrey, I believe, was in there, and I believe the theme was freedom. Here's a guy trapped in a man-made world, a bubble that was created for him, and the man who created this, his name is like Kristoff or something, which is a play on, and he's supposed to be like God in, in that movie, and they film Truman's life from the beginning to the end, and then in the end, Truman discovers that you know he's in a bubble world, and he has a choice to make. Does he stay in this bubble, or does he choose freedom, you know, and choose to go outside into the world of danger and the unknown, you know, and that whole climax at the end there. And it seems like it's an anti-religious kind of film or, or some sort where it's talking about that we're trapped inside this bubble and we need to free ourselves of the ideology of, of a God and I guess this moral system we may be trapped in and choose freedom, even though it's more dangerous. And to, mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems like that. Yeah, kind of was the movie. I write about that film in this book I mentioned, Faith, Film, and Philosophy. There are a lot of different themes that are expressed in the film. And it, it's interesting that you should mention this sort of anti-Christian thread in there because of the way Christos is being represented or cast as this control freak who under the guise of doing what's best for Truman, is actually just destroying his life because he takes away from him his individuality and his autonomy, his ability to make decisions for himself. And so some people think that this movie is a way of showing what a view uh, is, is depicting a, a Christian view of divine providence, where you have this God who is controlling everything here in our lives and not allowing us enough autonomy to be able to make decisions and choices for ourselves. I, I see that point. I can see why people would think that about the film. I think, though, that there are some other deep messages in the film. Some who do what I do and teach philosophy see in there a kind of argument for skepticism because the film depicts a world where the main character, Truman Burbank, doesn't really know reality. He lives in a world of appearance that he experiences as reality. And the movie gets viewers to think about what that might be like and then to wonder whether that is how things are, whether we go through life thinking that what we experience is for real when in fact it's all a charade. 
And so I think that movie is playing with that idea as well. There's another theme in the film that has to do with ethics and the ethical treatment of friends and neighbors. You know, all the other people in the Truman Show are actors on a set. They know what's going on. At the end of the day, they all go home to families and they leave the world of this island, a paradise, where Truman lives day in and day out. And so they're involved in this deep conspiratorial deception to fool Truman for all of his life to think that what he's experiencing is real, and they all know it isn't. And then he's got this friend, this so-called friend that he grows up with on the set, who knows better and is involved in the deception. But ultimately, he begins to care for Truman and love Truman as a real friend and a brother, and he feels conflicted about continuing the charade. And so issues of friendship and loyalty and ethics and deception are all being explored in this one film. Yeah, so films like that, I think, is great to analyze and great discussion pieces of these great topics that you bring up here. Doug, most movies have the same storyline and components. You have the hero, you have the villain, you have the redemption theme. Tell us about the storyline and components of a movie that we should be looking for to help us follow and understand the message of the movies. Well, usually, like you say, what happens is you've got a character, maybe a main character, who experiences life a certain way, and then some crisis is introduced. And the rest of the movie is about how that crisis is resolved. And some movies leave you kind of dangling, like, the, you know, the crisis never is resolved. And then in other cases, there's resolution, but it doesn't seem very plausible and you don't find it very believable. So the best movies will introduce a character that's believable, that you can relate to, maybe even who has a kind of admirable character. And then you see the character is confronted with some serious challenge, either morally or physically, in his circumstances, the way other people relate to him. And you can relate to those challenges yourself. And now you want to see how he overcomes them. And as the story moves along, the challenges intensify until they reach a kind of crescendo. And then the big question is, will this be resolved? And if it is, how will that happen? And what you want to have a really satisfying finish to a movie is some kind of resolution on some level, a limited level, to this person's dilemma. And that's what's satisfying about that is that it kind of gives viewers hope. It gives viewers the hope that in their own lives they'll experience the ups and downs and peaks and valleys. But at the end of the day, there'll be a natural and acceptable and positive resolution of that life experience. I think this is one of the reasons why we watch movies, is because we can relate to characters. And their experiences are like ours, and their solutions and their victories are things that we can hope for ourselves. Yeah, there seems to be a theme that there's a important choice that the hero needs to make and it's often connected with like a flaw in their character maybe they're selfish or self-centered or something and that crisis arises and they need to meet that challenge and it seems like if they overcome it the movie becomes a triumph 
if they do not and continue to hold on to that deficiency in their life and continue to act selfishly, then it ends up becoming a tragedy. Is, is that kind of how it goes there in the movies? Yeah, I do. I think that's a very good description, Pat, of what does happen in uh, the best movies, right? And we were talking about principles for selecting movies to see. One principle just is to find those movies that are the best at telling the most important stories. What kind of questions should we be asking, then, as we are watching the movies? I think the number one question to ask when watching a movie and to ask periodically as the movie unfolds, is how am I feeling right now in this moment while I watch this scene? Because the way that you're being affected by a movie is through your feelings and through your emotions. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. Be sure to join us next time for the continuation of this exciting show. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available to you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. For more than 20 years. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.